Good morning, Rabotai. Good morning. Breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory of Lilu Nishmat Amram Ben Hoshit and Moshe. Allah Hashem, sponsored by his son Meir Kohen. Please uh, stay after we say Kaddish. We're going to make a, uh, uh, a hashkava for, uh, for him as well. <coughs> we are approaching an amazing oasis in time. The Pasuk tells us, and as we discussed yesterday in the class, there's a unique mitzvah of tzedakah that applies to Sukkot more than any other day of the entire year. Although we have an obligation to be joyous on all the other holidays as well, the obligation to be joyous on Sukkot transcends all of those things, as is evidenced in the Pasuk itself, in the Tefillah itself, where it calls this time, Ziman Simchatenu, which means the time of our joy. So all the holidays have an element of joy to them, but this holiday has an, a much higher uh, element and requirement for joy. By the way, side note, Visamachta Bechagecha, the Gemara says that that means that a person should eat meat and drink wine on the holiday, okay? So meat and wine is Simchat Yom Tov. But the Gemara continues and says that's only for the men, the, the males. What about for the women? The women, uh, the women and the children. For the children, it says you should buy them sweets or nuts. And for the women, a person should also, a husband should also attempt to buy for them nice clothing, a beautiful jewelry, something to bring them, to bring them joy. Attempt, obviously, is the key word uh, in that, depending on you know, her taste and your current state in your, in your bank account. Okay, now, be that as it may, this obligation to have simha on Yom Tov, not only is it an obligation, it's also a piece of advice. Why? The Abarbanel and the Ibn Ezra both write that this idea, v'samachta b'chagecha, continues the pasuk and says, v'hayita ach sameach, and you will be ach sameach. Ach means only happy. Very strange way of saying it. V'hayita ach sameach. Both the Abarbanel and the Ibn Ezra both write that when a person finds an, a, 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 a pathway and a connection to joy on the holiday of Sukkot, it's not only on Sukkot that they experience this joy, but that joy can then permeate from Sukkot to the rest of the year. Now that's an amazing concept. I mentioned yesterday in the class, I just want to mention it once more, that the Baal Shem Tov was famous, that once he went to, on Simchat Torah, he picked up the Sefer Torah, and he was dancing all around with the Sefer Torah. Then he finished at the end of the dance, he went and took the Sefer Torah, and he put it back in the Aron. And as soon as he put the Sefer Torah back in the Aron, and they closed the, what's it called, the Aron Kodesh, everyone thought it was over, he turns around towards the people, and he's <laughs> still has, he's holding his left arm like this, his right arm down, and then he as if there's a Torah in his hands. And he starts dancing with this invisible Torah. And they all thought, what is he doing? Why is he, you know, the rabbi, you put it back already. You know, you don't know, you know, you keep holding it. And the rabbi explained that the concept of Simchat Torah is such that even when I put the Torah down, I still carry the Torah with me. Which is a fascinating way of communicating that idea. But the idea of, of, of Sukkot is also that same way. And I love the, the tense of the word v'hayita. Because v'samachta means, and you shall rejoice. That's in a commandment. But v'hayita, as well as v'samachta, can mean both an obligatory uh, command, v'hayita, and you will be, or you should be. But v'hayita could also mean, and you will be. And you will be v'hayita, only, uh, only happy. Now, <clears throat> the question is, how does a person accomplish this idea now there's a beautiful uh, uh, idea brought by the Avne Nezer he writes that in the special 
uh, in the special kind of portion of the Torah, in Nitzavim, which describes all the terrible curses that occur, that are going to befall Am Yisrael when uh, we turn from the path and we're doing all the things that are wrong in this world. And the curses, they're prolific. And you know how many there are? Anyone? There's 98 curses in the, pe- in the parasha of Nitzavim. What's fascinating to note, says the Avni Nezer, if you count the korbanot on Sukkot, you'll find that there are exactly 98 korbanot. Says the uh, Avni Nezer, quoting the Midrash, the Midrash says, let the 98 korbanot of Sukkot come and gain forgiveness for the 98 curses. Now that's a very interesting thing. Why should the korbanot of Sukkot come and get us forgiveness and get us out of all of these curses? Why? What's the correlation between them? And he says a shocking idea. In the middle of the curses, it says, and you know why all these things befell you? We mentioned this a few weeks ago when we talked about Parashat Nezavim. Do you know why all these curses came your way? Because you did not serve Hashem your God. With joy and with a gladness and with a, with a good heart. Why is that pasuk finding its way in the middle of, the, of all of the curses? And the answer is, it's coming to tell you, number one, that a person has an obligation to be joyous and to be happy even when he's surrounded by curses. He's surrounded by difficult circumstances. He's surrounded by problems. Even there, he has an obligation to experience and to exude joy. How is that possible? It's very, very difficult. The idea is very, very simple. David HaMelech says it. It's one of those ideas that's very simple in theory, but in practice is very difficult to execute. David HaMelech says, Gam ki elech Even as I walk, in the valley of the shadow of death, lo irara, I don't fear any evil. Why? Ki ata imadi, because you're with me. The day of Sukkot is called which means in the shadow of God, in the shadow of the one that we can trust in. When you're sitting in the sukkah, you're sitting in the shadow, in the shade of God. And it's an interesting thing because the word shadow, tzel, and the word tzel, which means shade, they're not, they don't seem to be interchangeable. You don't get any coverage just because a shadow's on you. If there's a shadow on you and it's raining, you're still getting covered by hit by rain. What does the shadow help? And the answer is that's true normally. But when it comes to God and a person's being pelted, if they could see the shadow of God, it means that God is standing there. If God is there, if you're with me, it's not that there is no evil. It's that I'm not afraid of any evil that comes to me. I'm not afraid of something that seems like a curse. Not that it isn't there, but, but that I understand that it's not evil. Because look, he's standing right here in the room with me. So on Sukkot, when we go into the Sukkah, we experience this concept of simcha, of joy. That joy that we experience, that God is with us, allows us to escape even feeling terrible about all these terrible things that might be befalling a person in their life. And the kapara of having that joy in the Sukkah of the 98 korbanot gains forgiveness for the 98 curses. So going into a Sukkah, it's a very difficult mitzvah to have joy for such a long time, for seven days, to come to a, 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 a situation like that and to say to myself, however is going on, every time I walk in the Sukkah on this holiday, I'm going to try and put a smile on my face. I'm going to try and be in a mental state of mind where I'm not worrying about my troubles. I'm not worrying about, like we said yesterday, my dirty dishes. 
I'm not bringing those thoughts with me into the sukkah. In the sukkah is only joy. The payback for that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu protects him the whole year from difficult things that are supposed to come his way. Everything that we've accomplished on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur through fear, through worry, through anxiety, what's going to be, how's the year going to work, can be driven away on Sukkot through the modicum, through the medium of joy. Fascinating. The Bnei Sashkar adds something which I thought was mind-blowing. He says, And you will be only happy. What does that mean, only happy? So most of us will look at that and we think, okay, that means that there can't even be like one, like if you have one bad moment, you ruin the whole Sukkot. You're only happy. You weren't only happy, you were happy plus sad. That's no good. But he says an amazing idea. He says the word ach is a miut. A miut means that it comes to exclude something. Ach sameach. What is sameach? You should be happy excluding something. What does that mean, excluding something? What is excluding? So a simple idea, like we said, would mean coming to exclude any element of sadness. Okay, very difficult. The Bnei Sashar says something fascinating. He says, It means, what if I can't get 100% happiness? What if something's wrong in my life? And I'm trying, Hashem, I'm trying in the sukkah to be happy. I'm trying to forget my troubles. I'm trying to rejoice in this wonderful day. But someone's not well in the family. Or there's a problem with parnasah. Or there's a problem uh, with, uh, with relationships. Here I am trying to have this. It's hard. So the Bnei Sachar writes that the Pasuk is trying to communicate to you. Ach, miut. What if you have 10% happiness? What if you have 20%? What if you could, instead of you know, being completely enveloped in it, you know, you're trying and saying, okay, you know what, let me focus on the positive. You try and bring pull some of those happier thoughts back. That's also fulfilling the mitzvah. What a powerful idea that is. You can't get out of it? Okay, fine. But still, today this is one of the most pervasive elements that we find uh, that, is, that becomes debilitating in people's lives is some level of depression, of anxiety, of upset. And the job of a person on this day is to get into a mindset, into a headspace where they say to myself, I'm only bringing happy things and happy thoughts into my sukkah. Once we understand that that's the element of sukkah, like we saw from the Abarbanel and the Ibn Ezra, we understand that that transports itself into the person's head for the entire year and it can protect uh, him from those difficult things and from uh, uh, being upset throughout the year. Abu Tai, I want to share with you uh, an amazing, an amazing uh, uh, mashah. I remember reading this a while back and it brought me a lot of, uh, a lot of chizuk. He said as follows, when a person, <coughs> when a person has bitachon, complete bitachon, they expect God to do something for them. Yeah? So he said, imagine the following scenario. You have two people, same background, same situation. They're both stuck in a problem with a Yerusha, with an inheritance. So you have two brothers are being messed over by a third brother. The third brother is withholding the, the, the inheritance. They have the keys. They have the documents. They have the power of attorney. Each one of them is very, very upset. One of them says to themselves every day, Gamzula Tova, it'll be good. Hashem takes care of me. It's fine. I'm not going to worry about it. If I didn't get it, it wasn't supposed to come to me. If I did get it, okay, but said that Alamak, but whatever God, whatever you want from me, uh, you know, it's fine. The other guy, the whole time, he's like, wow, I can't believe this. this is so." He's talking to everybody about the problem. He's, you know, harboring all this hatred, yelling, and he's screaming, and he's this, and he's that. He's 
miserable for years. You have people who throw away their whole life to be able to obtain the inheritance of somebody. They could take 10 years, 15 years in a court, and what happens at all that time? Even if they won the money. First of all, there's a legal fees, 100%. But besides for all of that, it takes everything out of the person. They wake up in the morning hate, with hatred. They go to sleep at night with hatred. All they talk to everybody about all the time is the court case and this person. And what happens? In the end, you won the money. But what did you get? What did you get from it? You're walking around holding this all the time. It causes problems between people and their families. It's unbelievable. So here, the other guy is walking around all the time hating and hating and hating. Hada, the first guy, he's already said to Hashem, you know what, the million dollars I was going to get, if I get it, I get it. This first guy, <clears throat> he's in synagogue all the time. And the guy says to him, look, you know, uh, I, have a, uh, I have a proposal for you. What's a proposal? He says, I have a business in another country. You know, in order to be able to import my goods to this country, I need an address in this country. If it's at all possible, I know that you have a warehouse, uh, what's it called, a warehouse in your business, you know, and uh, you told me the other day that, you know, there's not, you know, it's not full. If I could ship my goods to your warehouse and then ship them out of your warehouse, he says, I'm willing to split it with you 50-50. The guy says, 50-50? Why would you give me 50%? Oh, I don't own, I'm not taking any risk. He says, because for me, it's free money. Right now, I can't operate out of the United States. It's illegal for me to do so. If I take you on as a partner, at least I make 50% of the money. You know, it's, it's free. For me, it's free money. Are you willing to? I trust you. Yes or no? Guy says, absolutely. Anyway, he starts shipping the items. It turns out it's a heavy item. It's a, it sells well. And very, very soon, the guy realizes making a tremendous amount of money. By year's end, he uh, looks at his bank account. He's going through his statements for the taxes. And he realizes that the money that he brought in from having this warehouse is a million dollars. He goes to the guy in shul and he says to him, you know, uh, I want to thank you so much. I, I checked how much I made. It's already a million dollars of sales that we made from this, uh, from this deal. I want to thank you so much. He says, why of all people, you needed an address in the States. Why did you approach me? The guy says, I'll tell you the truth. Your, your grandfather, your great grandfather did a favor to our family. I thought, you know, I'll pay you back. He says, but what about my brother? He says, you know, I was in synagogue that day. And I saw you on, in sitting, sitting there in synagogue praying, yeah, smile on your face, talk on this one, talk on that one. The other guy had that, you see he's angry, he's got lines in his forehead, hair care. He looks at the type of guy I'm gonna get in a fight with already. So I thought, you know what, this guy happy-go-lucky, I'll go give it to him. Rabotai, it's only mashal. But the idea is very powerful. HaKadosh Baruch Hu helped one and didn't help the other. That's what it seems like. But actually, it's not the case. This guy helped himself. Why? The Sifarim tell us that when a person has a uh, emunah, not only is it that he has the mitzvah of emunah, but God treats him differently because of his emunah. Now that sounds like a very interesting thing. If because I have faith, God should treat me differently? So listen to this, it's, it's a fascinating idea. We said in this, week's, in this past week's parasha, tzur yiladecha teshi. Tzur yiladecha teshi. What does the word teshi mean? Rashi brings the word teshi, because le- the letter yod is small, Tash shematishim kocho, they uh, they sap the strength of their God with their averot. Yeah, shoot. Tash kocho, they say. Tsur yeladecha teshi. Oh rock, your children teshi. They've sapped your strength. But el mecholecha. When a person forgets that God is there helping him, 
They sap God of his strength. What does that mean? You can take away Hashem's strength? Yes, you can. Not in realistic terms. God's strength is not related to you at all. But vis-a-vis, helping you in your situation, yes, you take away his strength to help you. Why? Why? The minute I don't believe in God, what have I done? I've turned something happening for good for me into a larger miracle. Conversely, if something is a larger miracle, it's more, uh, it's more of a shock for me. Because really, if you think about it, as our rabbis always tell us, there's no difference between any miracle and nature. The fact that a ball of gas rises in the sky, the fact that this earth rotates on its axis, the fact that the earth is exactly in the place that it needs to be vis-a-vis the sun. If we were any further away from the sun, we would freeze over. If we were any closer to the sun, we would burn up. So the fact that uh, nature is uh, operating in harmony, (coughs) ecosystems are operating, that we are alive, that our body parts are not malfunctioning, these are miracles. Except that the things that we expect, we stop going, shh. The things that we expect, we call teva, we call nature. The things we don't expect, we call miracles. That means that for the first brother that expected things to turn out, it was a natural thing for things to go his way. And for the people that didn't expect things to turn out, the person who's a pessimist all the time, for him in his personal life, for something to go right is a miracle. Not everybody deserves miracles. How many misvot did you do that? You deserve that Hashem should do miracles for you? You forgot God? You forgot God? You weakened God. Means that when a person walks into Zukkah and recognizes that God is there with them, they're trying to figure out how can I get through all of these difficulties in my life and not become angry and miserable. The answer is Hashem is with you. And the minute a person can recognize that God is with me, he wouldn't let this happen to me if it wasn't for my best. Okay, I don't like it. I'm allowed to not like it. But I'm calm. I'm relaxed. I know that this is going to turn, this is going to turn around in some way, shape, or form and show itself to be a berachah in the fullness of time. That's simcha opens up a pathway. Rabbutai, what are we doing in the holiday of Sukkot? In the holiday of Sukkot, on an, on an on a, uh, agricultural level, what are we doing? Anyone know? Well, the harvest. It's the harvest season. We're taking all the fruits and bringing them in. That's, that's payday. So you work the whole year. You're planting, you're fertilizing, you're pruning, you're, you know, everything you're doing. And then it grows, and then eventually you're doing all the things you need to do to take care of it while it's growing. And then finally you take all that fruit and you bring it. That's when you, that's when you get paid. That's getting paid. Sukkot Rabotai is the time of the harvest. And everyone thinks, oh, wow, we're rejoicing because we got the fruits. But really, from a Jewish perspective, it's the opposite way around. You're not rejoicing because you got paid. You got paid because you're rejoicing. Since it's a time of simcha, it becomes a super highway for blessing for all of us. So that's what we're doing. Try your hardest not to argue in the sukkah, not to say an unkind word, to just sing songs and to have happy memories and to think back about all the blessings. One of the things I love to do is to ask my children and my guests in my sukkah, can you tell me something that you had this year that was a big beracha, a big sign of blessing? 
What a wonderful thing to be able to do on Sukkot, to think to myself, now that I'm harvesting everything in the year, I'm taking everything in, I could look back and see and count all of my blessings. That is the nature of, of the sukkah. I think that there's a remarkable idea here. We all know about the idea of taking the lulav and etrog, and that's also part of the harvest. I'm bringing in these fruits. Look at what I'm doing with the fruits that I brought in. I'm turning it into a mitzvah. But the sukkah actually is much more, much bigger than that. We don't often realize this because we think of the sukkah and the four species separately. The four species we think is one thing, and the sukkah we think is another thing. But if you look in the pesukim, you'll realize that you know what the sukkah is? Really, the sukkah is not the walls. You can make the walls out of iron if you want. What's the sukkah? That's why you could have a sukkah, removable roof in your dining room. You could sit at the same table that you sat in the whole year. The roof goes off. You put the sukkah on. Now you're in the sukkah. Why? What makes it a sukkah? The sukkah. What is the sukkah? The pasuk says, psolet gorin veyakev. It's the pieces, when you brought in all the harvest, all the branches, all the leaves that you didn't need for the fruits, you take all those branches and I put it up and that becomes a sukkah. So while I'm doing the mitzvah of v'samachtem, I take the lulav and etrog and I rejoice with the lulav and etrog. I mean, I don't think any of you ever thought, you know, you know what I should feel when I pick up all this uh, lemon-like fruit? I should feel joy in my heart. How, is I get, how do I get joy? The answer is because this is what I got paid with. This is, I'm, I'm celebrating with my paycheck, okay? All the berachot that God gave me, wow. While laven etrog is me celebrating with my beracha, sukkah is me celebrating in my beracha. I mean, I, th- I need you to process and compute what that means. To live inside of your beracha. To decide to move into a beracha. That's the idea of ach sameach that I'm sitting here in this place. I'm surrounded by everything that God gave me, by the wife, by the children, a little bit of food, a little bit of joy. I don't need all the other stuff. This is where I am. I have only berachot and only blessing in my life. May Hashem bless us, Rabbi not only to experience joy in this limited amount of time, but to have that joy extend and expand and be stretched to cover over and to be misachach on our entire year, that everything that we experience this year should be a year of complete joy, of complete celebration, and of complete beracha. Baruch